and welcome to Sounding Out Horsham. I'm Anna. And I'm Emma. In this episode, we're covering a topic that might seem morbid, but it's something that concerns all of us. It's death. Celebrant and interfaith minister Jean Francis is one person who is keen to talk about death. Jean has worked at a funeral directors and held funeral services. Um, but more recently, she's held workshops which give guidance and encourage people to reflect upon what they want when they die. We were keen to break the taboo around this topic and hear more about Jean's work. So we sat down with her and had this very interesting conversation. So we're here with Jean, Jean Francis. We're going to be discussing the topic of preparing for death and other bits about your work. Um, welcome to Sunny at Horsham, Jean. It's lovely to have you here. Thank um, you. So your, um, your job role for a long time has been a celebrant. Can you tell us what does that mean exactly? I'm actually a one spirit interfaith minister, right. stroke celebrant. And I trained with the One Spirit Interfaith Foundation. Um, and at the end of the training, one is ordained as a minister and one can have a title reverent, but I prefer not to. Okay. Um, I prefer just to be me. <laughs> um, our training involves the study of all the different world faiths, all the main one, main faiths. It's quite brief, of course, but knowing we can always dig down and learn more if, as, and when we need to. It's very involved with ceremony, which is my passion, and also it involves spiritual counselling, which is really helpful when one's dealing with death and dying particularly. Yeah. And... What made you do this? Why did you become a celebrant? Well, it's quite a long story, really. Um, my journey began in the early 90s. I was wedding planning, party planning and catering. I had my own business in five years. And I went to two funerals and they were just absolutely amazing occasions because in those days, funerals were very, very black and depressing and but these were real celebrations of life and they were both planned pre-planned that is important by two both elderly gentlemen and it was then I thought I ought to change this whole feel and make funerals obviously acknowledging death and grief but to make them more celebratory and then I suddenly realised that my party wedding planning could come in very useful yeah. with planning funerals. It's sort of the same or a similar thread. So you were saying that when you started that you had been to quite a few funerals where you were thinking these funerals do not represent the people mm -hmm. I knew. Mm -hmm. What was it like when you first started? What, what funerals like back when you decided that you wanted to do this? Well, there probably wasn't any choice way back then. You just went to a funeral director and handed the loved one over and that was it. But my, my experience that changed my thinking and understanding of the whole thing was um, I used to go to the spiritualist church and one day the minister said, William's died. How sad, but his funeral is on such and such. And I said, shall I bring the sweeties? Because William always, mm. before the service, handed around a, a bag of 
fruit drops, barley sugars. And so when it came to his funeral, I took the sweetie, a bag of sweeties and handed them round outside the crematorium. Yes. And it's quite fun trying to think all things bright and beautiful with a mouthful of fruit drops. Mm. <laughs> Everybody had smiles on their faces. And he said, I don't want anyone to come in black. If they do, I'll come back and haunt them. <laughs> and it was very, very simple. And then at the end, Vera Lynn sang We'll Meet Again as the curtain went around the catafalque. There was no question as to who that funeral was for. It was beautiful. And everybody, not just me, we were all sort of... <laughs> when we came out, we were all wanting to sing and dance and it was just a beautiful feeling. Yeah. We were elated. Mm. And I thought, this is what I want to do. I want to get this message over. Because that's the thing, isn't it? Funerals are tend to be very formulaic, don't they? I mean, they are sombre affairs. Obviously, everyone who's there is very sad because they're missing the person who the funeral is what the ceremony is for you just go along with the flow and like you say everyone it's you know it's known you wear black you do this you have mm. hymns whatever it is but actually there should be really personal and, and you know the fact you took sweets because that's what william had it's it's just a lovely little touch isn't it and I, was that the thing that they're sort of making them more personal um was that one of the drivers for you yes yeah, yes i mean it was very simple it didn't cost anything you know but it was just William yeah and then the the other one was it was a quite an extravagant affair by comparison but we we all um gathered at the funeral directors in in their garden had a lovely garden little chairs on the lawn and it was um an elderly gentleman whose granddaughter had got his wishes quite clear and she was carrying them out. There was no minister or celebrant or anything. The granddaughter just introduced herself, mentioned the reason it was this way. And the whole thing was family-led. Somebody played an instrument, someone did a reading. Oh, and then there was a funny little one. We all sang Lily Marlena, which was rather a strange thing to have in the middle. I'll tell you about that in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and then at the end, it was grandfather's wish that the funeral director just took his old coat, his old shell, call it what you will, and that everybody went and had a champagne lunch at the Royal Hotel. She said, please check your car parking and taxis will be arriving in five minutes to take you into the centre of town. Aww. <laughs> And we had the most elaborately beautiful, beautiful lunch. Champagne just flowed. And that was typical of this gentleman. He'd lived a high life in London. And it, it was just completely him. Mm. And it was just beautiful. It was just very, very different. And I did ask about Lily Marlena in the middle. And she said, well... Grandad had a naughty little patch in the wall, and we thought we'd bring it in. Oh, what was that? <laughs> Must have had a little affair or something. Oh, well, okay. Lily Marlena is is um I can't sing it, but underneath the lamp post. Yeah, it was it oh. was. <laughs> so he was a bit of a cheeky rogue, was he? He was a cheeky rogue. Oh. Yeah, and that just highlighted that very neatly. Yeah, but very gently, and it was just lovely. Yeah. And you've been running some workshops, haven't you, called Last Wishes Workshops yeah. in Horsham. And part of it is 
designed to, to get people thinking about these personal touches that they might be able to have at that last right. big celebration for them. Can you tell us a bit more about what's involved in, in the workshop? Yes, sure. Mm. I just want people to know things like a funeral does not have to cost a fortune. A funeral does not have to take place in a place of worship or crematorium. Mm-hmm. And final choices can have a huge impact on the environment. And that's one of my the things I'm really, really focusing on at the moment. There are things you can do to make your departure greener, but people just don't really think about it when it comes to funerals, simply because people don't talk about it. Mm. Um, and it is possible to be buried on private land or in your garden. So there are all sorts of things that I'm trying to say to people. When you go to a funeral director's, find out what to say yes to and when to say no. Because lots of companies, especially the big companies, will do all sorts of things with fancy names. You think, oh, that'll be nice. You know, do you want hygienic treatment for your loved one? You think, oh, yes. But that means embalming, Mm. which is a Mm. desperately intrusive affair. And it's very, very toxic. They use very toxic ingredients both to the embalmer, to the environment, whether it be the earth or the air, Mm. all sorts of things. And they've got to make a living, but they will put on as many extras as you will accept. Yeah. And it does not have to cost a fortune. You don't even have to use a funeral director. Mm. Yeah, see, I think that's the thing, isn't it? When someone dies, if you're the one that's been left to, to sort out, funeral arrangements it's really difficult to know what what to do isn't it I guess but I suppose that's why it's good to have these conversations well as soon as people are ready to yes let's talk about it Mm. let's learn about all the things that we can do and can't do and I run these little um workshops now from my own home just small groups we can cozy up we can light a candle and we can have a glass of wine with our lunch if we want to. And that is so much better for me than do a workshop for a large number of people. Yeah. People are just in a small group, you know, maybe three, four, five. Um, people can feel free to just ask intimate questions sometimes because it is a very personal affair, especially the legal part of it. Yeah. And they go home with a folder. This is my... Tatty version. Jean's showing us with the funeral planned. The programme's in three sections. Um, the first section is the legal side, all the things that have to be decided before to give to your um, next of kin or solicitor. So this is um, say who you would leave your possessions to, or you know if you had still had children, who would look after those them? Sorry. <laughs> Yes, it covers all that and, you know, power of attorney, yes. advanced directives, living wills, and it covers, if you want to donate organs or body to medical science, it tells you about death doulas and threshold choirs and things like that. The second section is your funeral wishes to give to your funeral director, mm-hmm. and the third section is to give to your ministerial celebrant so that you're all organised. And I issue people with a pencil or with an eraser on the end, so you can always change your ideas. 
and update and amend. So it's, it ranges from the practical to the spiritual, I, I guess, because Absolutely. you're looking at all the different aspects. Yeah. Um, and so in that middle section, what kind of things would people need to think about there? Is it sort of what, what kind of coffin you might want to be in, whether you want to be cremated or yes. buried, that kind of thing? Yes. So we go through the different options, whether people want cremation, direct cremation, burial in a churchyard. Not that there's very much room left, they're all overflowing. Mm. There are various options for burial. You can be buried at sea, but don't recommend that, there's enough floated rubbish in the sea already but it is possible yeah it's a very expensive option and it's not a green option but i tell people about it but the greenest option of all is natural burial where you you are buried in a natural burial ground where is the nearest natural burial ground um clayton wood probably in hassocks okay there's one in shamley green um Twandon, petersfield and Eden Valley. But when you're talking about um, a burial at, at sea being being expensive and not environmentally friendly, is that you're not talking about spreading the? Ashes no, no, like that? that is actual sea burial. Okay. But for, if that is important to anybody to have their connection with the sea, what I suggest is that they are crema- cremated, and then the ashes sprinkled mm. at sea. Yeah. Or even on an outgoing tide. We've done that before. Mm. Right, loving messages in the sand, have a picnic, mm. and then strew the ashes with some lovely flowers or something into the outgoing tide. It has the same sort of meaning, I guess, a similar meaning mm. to burial at sea, but it's much, much greener, yes. Mm. And I, I think most of the funerals I've been to have been cremations. Is that, how does that compare for the environment? Not good. It's not good, okay. One cremation takes a huge amount of fossil fuel and the emissions pollute the atmosphere. In fact, they're cancerous emissions, but people don't talk about it. So in a natural burial ground, then, how would that be done? What's the most environmentally friendly way to do it? A natural burial ground at this moment is the most... That is what is available here. There are options coming, but not yet in this country. So that means that you actually bury the body, yes. not cremated. Yes, 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 yes. Six feet under, is that it? <laughs> well, no, not six feet under. No. no, no, natural burial is much shallower. Okay. Because of the, um, I can't think of the word. Decomposition, is, I suppose. Is yes. Okay. Thank you. That's interesting. I would have thought that cremation was... No, but if you go to a natural burial ground... <laughs> The graves aren't marked with stones, and all mm. those stones have to be unearthed, hacked out of Mother Earth, if you mm. think about it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's maybe a wooden marker which will eventually disintegrate, or a microchip okay. in a natural burial ground. You must have a biodegradable coffin, or shroud, or just be wrapped. You don't have to have a coffin or shroud, you can just be wrapped in whatever. Presumably, um, then the the funeral needs to happen quite soon after death, because often they, but if it's a question, you know, three weeks or so, you can wait. With modern refrigeration, there isn't any huge rush, hmm. and embalming is not allowed in a natural burial ground. 
because it's very, you know, pollute the earth. Mm. And the body has to be wrapped in natural materials or um, a biodegradable coffin, as I mentioned. And hopefully people will be just bringing local flowers, not having flowers in plastic trays, an oasis, which is mm. full of formaldehyde, and that is non that doesn't biodegrade. So ideally, it's flowers from the garden or locally grown flowers or something similar. Um, there are lots of things you can do, yes, to make mm. it a more environmentally friendly affair. Um, there are things also that you can do if you're being cremated, like, again, dress the body in natural materials, no synthetics, because they mm. add to the pollution, insist on no embalming, and it really isn't, isn't necessary unless mm. the body has to be kept for a very, very long while. Well, that's also if you wanted to um, view the, you have an open casket. Occasionally that happens, you know, for perhaps royalty. Some religions, I suppose, may prefer an open coffin, but generally it isn't necessary. No. If a body's being repatriated from another country, yes, it has to be. But there are very, very few occasions now. Embalming started, I think, during the war when troops' bodies had to be flown home and refrigeration wasn't available like mm. it is now. Mm. Yes, yeah, so insist on no embalming. Um, and also the choice of coffins really important for cremation. A lot of the coffins the funeral directors will try and sell have got a veneer. They're full of glue, and that glue is toxic. Mm. And... The handles, the silver and brass handles, they're plastic. We don't want to be burning plastic. Yeah, they yeah. look like brass or chrome, but they're not. So avoid anything with plastic or glues in it. You have to use, hopefully, garden or locally grown flowers. Those are some of the things, anyway, one can do to make cremation greener mm. than it, it, it actually is. Yeah. And I know we've we've um, gone down and we're discussing the kind of practical aspect and what happens to our physical form um, when we die, and and it can be quite difficult for people to imagine their themselves rotting in the in the earth. To, sorry to be quite blunt, but you know it's it's not something that we all want to think about, and that means it can be quite difficult to approach the subject how someone would like to to end their mm. earthly presence. How do you open up those conversations about death, you know, for yourself and for, for others? Yes, I've thought a lot about this. And I think one of the most straightforward ways is to say, hey, I just heard the most amazing piece of music on my way here. I'd like that at my funeral. Have you ever, ever thought about what you'd like? Or a piece of poetry? Or... I've just been to a funeral and it was just lovely, it was beautiful, it was like a celebration of someone's life. I want mine to be like that, so own it. Yeah. And then other people might, you know, have you ever thought about what you would like? And in the workshop, one of the sections is if you can think of a theme, something that reflects that person's or your own personality, your passions things that bring joy into your life that gives you a good starting point mm. and that makes it quite easy then 
to find readings and music yeah or hymns or whatever um to put the whole thing together yeah in, in some ways it feels like it's a bit of a contradiction because a, a funeral is an incredibly sad occasion and you kind of want to be there to cry and be sad about the person who's leaving maybe not necessarily celebrate mm. but do you think um, one always has to leave space for the sadness as well mm. yes definitely and and it's really all about those left behind mm. it's just quite simple for instance um a chap wanted a yellow car always wanted a yellow car and then he said, well, if I can't have a yellow car, I'll have a yellow coffin. And he did. And um, actually, it was my ex-husband, so I'll, I'll name him. <laughs> <laughs> and um, when we, it came to planning his funeral, we had a lovely family supper party, there were eight of us, around a nice big log fire. And I said I'd take this ceremony. And the whole family sat round, and I just made notes about the things that grandchildren remembered most about him and the children, of course, my children, our children. Um, and it was extraordinary how it all came together. Adam remembered the jam tarts, the ones with the raspberry fillings um, that Grandad always used to produce. And the girls mentioned other things they remembered. There was a huge amount of laughter mm. and some really, really funny stories came out of that. The funeral took place at the Blue Idol Quaker Meeting House in Coolum. There weren't many people coming because most of his friends had already gone ahead. And we, we greeted them with coffee and donuts. That was his favourite. Okay. His coffin was there. And we bought one... We suggested just one flower or something that had a significant meaning. Um, that gave me a great deal of excitement because I wanted yellow mahonia. Do you know it? No. The yellow flowers matched the coffin perfectly. The perfume was absolutely beautiful, like Lily of the Valley, and that represented our children. And the leaves were incredibly prickly. That was our relationship. And that really gave me such a quick kick. So even down to the flowers, you know, there's so many things you can do. Anyway, after the funeral, a little service, just very simple, um, honouring, you know, his, his life and his years in the Royal Air Force and so on. All the funny bits followed that the children had um, mentioned as part of it. There was a little film slideshow. And um, we all waved goodbye. The funeral director took him away and we all went out and had a very nice lunch. Did he leave you um, a list of, of what he wanted or was this... He told um, our son... That, he wanted a yellow coffin, so that was mm. the theme. It can be as simple as that. Yeah. So you are, we can't mention your age, you're 83 years old now. You've been to a certain number of funerals over the years mm. and have seen how they've changed. And you have a website, and on this website we can read about, you can have a Viking funeral, you can have 
a coffee you can have a coffee in that so it has another purpose before you die if you have an example of a coffee in that is actually a wine rack and then when the person dies it just transforms into into a coffin and and some other unusual things don't you feel that we're breaking certain taboos with these things yes i i've done a lot of thinking about this lately because i really feel i've helped to make that change um that only struck me the other day and i wrote my first book, in, it was published in 2004, about alternative funerals. That's 20 years ago, isn't it? So I've been hacking away at it. But happily now, there are so many lovely um, people doing very, very beautiful work in the funeral industry. So, uh, yes, it's happening. It's happening. Yeah. It's just the big companies, I think. It's a bit like a production line still. Yeah. yeah, I know when my dad passed away a couple of years ago and um, he had left some wishes and he left um, a kind of almost part of his eulogy, which was really handy to have for myself and my sister. But when it came to the actual funeral service, we went straight to the funeral director. We did just get emailed a list of everything like choose this coffee what do you want and we hadn't even we hadn't discussed that into that level of detail and it was quite overwhelming so we we just opted for one mm. didn't really give it much thought and then they said we can do the flowers um but it's almost like a tick box i mean they were very nice but yes i think it it was a lot of things that we hadn't even considered mm. and that was kind of a given this is what you do you select one of these and there weren't really any other options um I mean, it was it was very different because it was in the midst of COVID. We were fortunate enough to have thirty people because I know some had who could only have mm. up to three or four, whatever. But it made us be a little bit creative actually because we couldn't have a wake. So then we, he loved bread pudding, so we did similar to your friend with the sweets. We got some bread pudding and gave a piece to everybody. But I think what I'm trying to get at is it it was very formulaic and was very um, tick boxy. And I guess that's the idea of your your workshops is quite useful because those practical things that you're just thrown into mm. having to make a decision for. When someone actually dies, it must have been really difficult for you in COVID, um, particularly so. Mm. But everybody's in grief. Sometimes families think differently. That's why it's important to try and pre-plan. Yes. You know, so that everybody knows these are your wishes. There is no law that says those wishes must be carried out. But at least it gives the family mm. a guideline. Yeah, I think it removes that decision making because, like you say, you are grieving. There's this range of emotions going on, and mm. when you've got to try and decide things for that person who you're already missing, and you mm. would have asked them for the what would you like? Mm. So awkward too. Asking. Yeah. I, I learned that when I was funeral arranging. Very often, a family would come in. You know, as as a funeral arranger, you sit behind that desk. And if somebody comes in and the subject has never ever been discussed, you, you've got a family conflict immediately before you've ever even filled in a form. Mm. So it's so helpful to even just have a few ideas written down, even if mm. it's not the whole lot, because it's really, really hard for people and sometimes you know, they have to live with the guilt. Did I do the right thing yeah, or not? Yeah. 
It removes that. It removes you know, that yeah, guilt, I think, feeling yeah, of possible guilt. Yeah. It's just taking the time, take maybe a morning or an afternoon and sit down and write down some thoughts mm. and then just mm. not shy away from it. Put, put planning for funeral on the list, to-do list. <laughs> the to-do list, yeah. We'll come to a workshop. <laughs> yeah, your workshop. Yes. I, I think that's great because it just takes care of that, doesn't it? Do you find, do people say to you once they've, they've done it, they can put that in a sort of box almost and say, done that, take it off the to-do list, mm. I guess. Yeah, it brings peace of mind. Mm. And you can always change your decisions. Yeah. yeah. One thing, going back to the actual funerals and... Um, what happens at the funeral ceremonies when we're talking about children and there's often a discussion about whether children mm. should come to funerals what are your thoughts on that i think it's really important that they are involved one mm. way or another you know even little children can be involved in maybe writing a letter for the person who's died and mm. Um, or drawing pictures, or one of my favourite things is to get a whole family together and decorate a cardboard coffin together with photographs and fingerprints, dog's paw prints, talk about the person. Just such a healing thing to do. Yeah, for children to be able to grieve as well. To be, be part of the preparation. And also, I think, to go to the funeral, because death is a mystery to us all. Yeah. And to a child, if they're not allowed to go, you know, what's it all about? Why aren't I allowed to go? Mm. And I think a lot of older people weren't allowed to go to funerals. And that is why so many people now don't want to talk about it. And when I was running my death cafe, I asked people if they had, how many people had been to a funeral as a child and hardly anyone put their hands up and I said how many of you would have gone if you'd been allowed, nearly everybody did. Mm. It was just taboo then, it's just something you didn't do. I think maybe as a parent you want to shield your children from, you don't want to introduce them to anything sad necessarily or see other grown-ups crying maybe but I mean it's it's good practice too isn't it I guess um but some parents might think they want to protect their children mm. then mm. like you say you end up with that continual yeah yeah that momentum and pets are a tremendous help aren't they when it mm. comes to death and dying mm. yeah there's one little instance that I recall immediately is my grandson he was only about four five six at the time and um, there was a mouse his daddy caught in a trap and he was absolutely beside himself with grief over this mouse and his daddy was going to throw it into a bin and I said please let me take this over so Adam put his gardening gloves on he gathered a tissue and he wrapped the little mouse in a tissue and we picked flowers in the garden. Oh, and then we made a procession. Adam went first with the mouse over to the field, followed by Mummy, Daddy, I was there somewhere, and the dogs. <laughs> and Daddy took a spade, and we found a nice little place under a bush where Daddy dug a little grave. And Adam very carefully placed the mouse into it and covered it with soil and put flowers on top 
and I just said a few words, you know, rest in peace, mouse, and da 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 da, or something. And um, that was just such a good thing to be able to do with yeah. him. Mm. It was so simple. One of the things I want to talk to you about is the idea of I've seen a number of people, maybe who are terminally ill or simply just want to have a celebration uh, for their life, they're having. I think the term is living funeral yeah. where they have a big party as if it is their funeral but they're actually there yes. um, because often I've found you go to a funeral and obviously it's bringing everyone who knew the person who you're commemorating and you, you kind of think well, where's that person they should be here to see all the wide number of people that knew and loved them um, have you dealt with any living funerals I have been involved in two or three yeah it's a wonderful opportunity to say thank you to the people that have helped you, that have supported you. It's a lovely opportunity to talk about memories of the past, hopefully will not beat ones, mm. laugh together in spite of it being a sad occasion. And what people, or suggested people do, is if they've got little keepsakes, things like jewellery, perhaps ties if it was a man, or the scarves or books, bring them along and let everybody take a memento of their relationship with your friendship with you. Mm. You know, otherwise these things end up in a skip. Mm. And it's just so lovely to be able to have something belonging to that person. And that works really, really nicely. Yeah. And it's nice to be able to perhaps give people close to you a little gift. Perhaps you might leave a little something in your will, well, give it to them then yes, and see the joy one. on their faces. Mm. And I suspect we've all been to funerals where you hear extraordinarily interesting things about people, but it's too late to talk to them about it. Mm. Well, this is a golden opportunity, isn't it? Yeah. And have you noticed more people opting to have these living funerals? It's quite a new concept, mm. and I think it's probably for people who have got a terminal illness, who want to celebrate this before they die and then just have a, or forget the funeral basically, just have a, just have a I hate the phrase, but wake mm. before the bake. Yeah. <laughs> mm. um, I don't know if you've heard, there's a podcast with Kathy Burke, the actress and comedian. It's called Where There's a Will, There's a Wake. I think it's called that. Sorry, this is probably <laughs> she does she gets people like celebrities to talk about their funeral. It's quite outlandish. Oh, right. One comedian he said, oh, I just want everyone to eat she goes through what food they want to have and it's like yeah. let's eat salad <laughs> and she's like, What? But and then you'll talk about the types of music he wants. But it's done in a very funny way. That sounds fascinating. Yeah, it, I, I suggest <laughs> not a barbecue after a cremation. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. And the other one, of course, is um, if, you, if you talk about sex, it doesn't mean you're going to have a baby. If you talk about death, it doesn't mean to say you're going to drop down dead. That's a very yeah. good point. Good point. <laughs> I guess, yeah, that's it, isn't it? Talking about it doesn't actually mean that it's going to happen. That's it. Just a bit of humour, it's because it's such a serious topic. Yes. It's been really interesting speaking to you, Jean. Thank you so much for talking us through everything. Um, and your workshops, if, if people wanted to find out more about those, where can they go? Where can they find out more information? Um, our website, circleoflifecelebrations.co.uk. 
Brilliant. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. I It's been quite an eye-opening conversation in many different ways and I also appreciate that you bring a bit of humour into it and it's serious, but that doesn't mean that it cannot also be positive and the celebration of, mm. of the person. Hopefully it will uh, get people talking about this topic and, and get things sorted. Yeah, it's been great, thank you. Thank you for listening to Sounding Out Horsham. We are so thankful for all the feedback we've had. And to those of you who keep listening and who subscribe, you make it worthwhile. Yes, and now we want to ask you something. If you enjoy our podcast, we would really appreciate it if you could spread the word and tell other people all about it or by liking us on social media and sharing our posts. We've met so many fascinating individuals since we started Sounding Out Horsham. And we'd love it if more people in the community could hear their stories. You'll find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Just search for Sounding Out Horsham. And of course, don't hesitate to get in touch.